In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, this book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. So we're getting closer to the end of Ecclesiastes now, and we're jumping into Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Um, Joey, do you want to give us a, a brief overview of what we're going to be seeing in this chapter? Yeah, Ecclesiastes 9 has some powerful language about just the reality of death, the, the limitation of time that we have on this earth. And within that, it wrestles with some of the truths about what we can and can't do, what we can and can't control within that time frame. Verses 1 and 2. For I have taken all this to my heart, and explain it that righteous men, wise men, and their deeds are in the hand of God. Man does not know whether it will be loved or hated. Anything awaits him. It is the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, for the good and for the clean and for the unclean, for the man who offers a sacrifice and for the one who does not sacrifice. As the good man is, so is the sinner. As the swearer is, so is the one who is afraid to swear. Tim, when I was in uh, college, I was majoring in Bible. And one of the most frustrating classes I had, uh, or a section of a class, we were talking about the book of Job. And our professor would, would say over and over again, Job never gets an answer from God. Never gets an answer. And that drove me crazy. I was like, yes, he does. Yes, he does. He gets, a, he gets an answer. He, yeah. <laughs> he gets an answer. His answer is, I'm God and you're, you're not God. Exactly. That's what's being talked about here in the first couple of verses of chapter 9. Whether you're a righteous or wicked person and your deeds included are in the hands of God, meaning you can't control the outcomes. You can't control how things are going to work out. God is God. Then that goes back to the process. Enjoy the process, not the outcomes. That's the theme happening again. Yeah, and you know, we often look again back at the book of Job. Uh, you got Job. The other thing that was frustrating about that class is that I also heard this idea that Job gets back all of the things that he lost. It was like, you can't get back no. losing a family member. No, he didn't get back all the things he lost. Yeah, you don't replace. It's not a one-to-one like, oh, no. this previous person in our family died, therefore, and we have this new person. And so all is turned out equal. It's, you know, it's, that's not really the way that, that it works. The funny um, thing about that is it sounds like whoever was telling you that was just like Eliphaz and Satan. They, they were looking at everything transactionally. <laughs> right. Well, and also just looking at the book of Job uh, as if the outcomes were the, the thing that mattered. The thing that mattered, So like yeah. Job is, the, the idea is like Job's rewarded by getting back all the things, all the outcomes that were yeah. taken away from him at the beginning. But the real point of Job is that Job worshipped. Yeah. That's the key to the book of Job. And that he came to know God. 
now I know you. Right. Yeah. And himself, I'm small. He was the greatest guy of all the all the earth. Well, so this this whole thing here, um, you know, we, we don't really know. We don't know what the outcome is, but th- that that kind of uh, you know deeds are in the hands of God. You know, Paul says something like this in First Corinthians four. He says, and and this is where he's he's being judged by other people, and he says, "I'm not conscious of I, I'm conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes." In other words. I, look, I've examined myself, and these, these people, they criticize me. Okay, I'll take it into account. Do I think any of that's valid? No, not really. Uh, but you know what? That doesn't mean it's not. I, I don't think it is. But you know who's going to decide? God. Um, I once had somebody come to me and said, you know, God's not pleased with what you're doing right now. I said, well, you, know, you, may, be right, you may be right, but you know who's going to decide that? <laughs> And this person was transactional. They wanted to, they're trying to figure out how, they knew my value system. They're trying to get, you know, get at me to get what they wanted. As well, I, I, in that particular case, recognized that. But, you know, it's just possible that they're right. I'll, 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 I will give an account to God. But this, this, is, this is this perspective of, look, you, you don't you know what you know and know what you don't know. And these things are in the hands of God. And then, with respect to how other people are gonna uh, are going to embrace whatever you do, you don't know that either. You, you you don't know. You don't control other people. You don't control God. You control what you do, and you control your perspective, and you control who you trust. So trust God, and do good things. Don't trust other people, and don't trust in outcomes. Uh, as many of us do, I have a bent towards people pleasing. And one of the most difficult things for me to wrestle with, and especially in kind of the leadership positions I've been in, is that sometimes, very often actually, there's a choice, a call that I have to make, and there is maybe one student at the school who's going to be very upset if I make call A, and another student who's going to be very upset if I make call B. And so that idea that there's no pleasing everybody, and if I try to, I learn quickly that it's just crippling to my ability to be effective. And what is freeing in these verses is the idea like, I don't answer to either one of those students or those Mm -hmm. groups of students or groups of people who are observing me in any sort of capacity, even to Kylie. I I answer to God. God's the one who holds these things for me. No matter what I do, what I swear and what I don't swear, what I do and what I don't do, what I sacrifice and what I don't sacrifice, God is, is the one who's watching all those things. And God is the one to whom I answer, which, uh, is frightening to many people because you know we all know we're not perfect. But it's actually a very encouraging thing to me because I trust God. Yeah, he, wants, <laughs> I trust he has that, our best interest. Yeah, in I trust yeah. that he's looking out for me. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so it's an encouraging idea. Yeah. You know, um, when, when we, this whole idea of, you know, God is going to be pleased or displeased, um, like you said, we, we can trust him. But one of one of the, one of the things here is uh, it's just the reality of the way things are. It, this is everybody. Everybody's in this boat. And so we can, we can see the reality or we can, we can ignore the reality to our own peril. All of our appetites, like the desire to be approved, 
uh, or hunger and thirst, they're all something God gave us. The question is, what are we going to point them at? Mm-hmm. So the desire to the, the desire to uh, the desire to approve is a good thing. If you point it at people, it turns into a bad thing. If you point it at God, it turns into a good thing. Hunger and thirst is great. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, awesome. That's great. You can't get enough. But if you take something that's like, you know, some shortcut like drugs or something like that, then it becomes a stumbling block. So pointing, learning to point our appetites in the, at the right place, I think, is one of the key characteristics of wisdom. Well, and if this is the reality that God is the one who's watching over these things, again, we have, we have the two choices. And the one is to be encouraged by that in, in the sense of, okay, I trust God, and whatever he decides is going to be good, even if it kind of surprises me or hurts me. Even if it's, I need to learn something else and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it, so I can trust God, or I can be, you know, Insist on my own way. I can insist on my own way, which causes me to act a lot like Adam and Eve when yeah. they first yeah. uh, sinned, which is hide from God. So yeah. I try to keep these things mm-hmm. from him. I try to manipulate. So if even if There's I know he doesn't know, yeah, exactly. Even if I acknowledge the reality that he's kind of the God of all things, it's like, oh, okay. Well, then I better not let him see what I'm doing, which is which is you know an, an absurdity, a madness. Three, three, six. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that there is one fate for all men. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Afterwards, they go to the dead. For whoever is joined with all the living, there is hope. Surely a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know they will die, but the dead do not know anything, nor have they any longer a reward, for their memory is forgotten. Indeed, their love, their hate, and their zeal have already perished, and they will no longer have a share in all that is done under the sun. So this is pretty dire, and it's part of the what you said. The uh, theme here was that death is just a, it's a reality for all. And, you know, it's better to be alive. You know, a dog is a lowly animal, especially in the Jewish world. And it's kind of pig was at the bottom and dog was just above it. But a uh, lion is the king of the beasts. It's better to be a live dog than a dead lion, you know, because we all want to live. But death's just a death's a, a fate that everybody's gonna gonna have. So best prepare for it. Live, live for that day. Uh, you know, uh, Hebrews says, "Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together uh, to stir one another up to love and good works." So there's to do the right thing is a team activity. Uh, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, the day is the judgment day, and that's what happens on the other side of death. So this is a, it's it's stark, but look, Ecclesiastes is all about embracing reality as it is. Well, and I think those stark, difficult realities make us uncomfortable. And so we try so hard to avoid them. Tim, you talk about this sometimes, that there's this uh, it might be overdramatic to call it a plague, but that's the word that came to mind. But there's this situation, we'll call it a situation, <laughs> in modern Christian, uh, American Christianity of niceness. You know, we want to talk about the things that are nice, that make us feel good, that are easy and comfortable. And I think that's what's so 
valuable about Ecclesiastes, it's not pulling any punches. It's not avoiding those difficult realities. Niceness is not really a biblical thing. Kindness is. Kindness takes courage. Usually there's difficulty and trouble involved. In Usually niceness is, in the way I'm using it, is avoiding difficulty. And that's ultimately a self-serving thing. It's not really... It's not really seeking the best for others, but you know, it it's all ta- it's all going to be overtaken by death and decay and and gravity, if you will. Everybody's going to end up in the same place. So, therefore, you know, live with that reality. Uh, live with the end in mind. The end in mind is that day. Well, and I think it's interesting, and I think it's a well. Okay. I think it's interesting that he's talking here about how it's better to be like a live dog, to be alive, to have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to be making your choices and stewarding your impact versus a a dead lion. But just a little bit ago, he said the day of death was better than the day of birth. Yeah. And I think he's aware of those Mm -hmm. kind of what seems like a contradiction. But what it really is, is just a complication it's holding those those things in tension. Mm-hmm. Their life is it's it's heavy. I can't just hold on to the day of death is the only yeah. perspective that's important, right? And so you know, if I try to grab a hold of that, it's heavy and slip through my hands. I can't hold on to what this is saying tightly, as if uh, the day of death is something that needs to be avoided at all costs uh, and is a tragedy when it comes to happen. Uh, what I need to do is open those hands a little bit and lean into the mystery that it's beautiful and it's good to live this life as best I can and then uh, have it celebrated when it comes to an end. And maybe maybe part of what he has in mind there with the alive dog is that you're living in a world full of evil. Uh, you're living, and the, the translations here is ins- insanity. We, we've been using the phrase madness. You know, it's just people keep doing something that doesn't work you know if you know we party man we feel we felt good for a while but we kind of feel empty after well let's just do more or we accumulate possessions well that didn't help that didn't really work let's do more uh well i purchased something well i felt good at the time but now i don't let's do more so you you keep this madness going and and and, and on top of that you have evil so you can get kind of worn out looking at this and saying, well, you know, this makes me tired. But you don't want to do that either. You want to embrace the opportunity as you have, even, even if it's a dog life, because that's better than deadline. So, Tim, what you're describing in terms of that tyranny of moreness is why we are so obsessed with the idea of our own immortality, because we're not, we're never really ready to die. Because we always think, I just, I left this one thing undone. Uh, one more day. I needed this one extra thing, and mm-hmm. so we want to prolong life because we keep thinking, like, if I just had another year, I'd make that little bit more money and set my family up well. If I just had one more year, then I'd be able to finish this project that I'm working on. And so that tyranny of the more uh, has seeped into our perception about the value of of what of prolonging the years of our life, which messes with our perception of time. You know, Kylie and I have traveled and done mission work a lot. And one of the things that's really frustrating if, as an American, if you go to Africa, is they'll say, okay, we'll meet at 10 o'clock in the morning. 
It's not ten, they're not showing up at ten o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that uh, was a suggestion. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a loose, a very loose suggestion, uh-huh. and it's easy as an American to think like they are just, they don't honor time, right? Mm-hmm. They're not paying attention to time. And we were talking to one of the pastors about this, and and he was he one of the Ugandan pastors when we were there, and he said, "Look, uh, this is this is this is why that that tension happens." Um, Americans value time. Time is money, right? It's mm-hmm. this each each moment of time that passes, you're not getting back. Mm-hmm. So it's this resource that go, this going away constantly, mm-hmm. and so you've got to spend it well, right? Yeah. He said, Africans, we view time as an inexhaustive resource. There's always another moment, oh, and so we we might be waiting for a meeting, and the past the Ugandan pastor might be heading towards us. But if a friend stops him to talk to him, he has time for that. He has time for that and time for our meeting. And so it's just a different perception of, of time. And I think there's a bit of that in in these verses. But attention? Yeah, and a bit of an invitation of like, how do you view time? An invitation to think about it? Yeah, like do you view do you view time as like you just need more of it so that you can get more of the things you want? Or do you view time as this is the allotment that I've been given, and I'm going to do my best within it. Well, as I hear you speak about this, uh, uh, it sounds like you can view like extending my life as long as possible as an outcome. Like that—that's my—that's the outcome that'll make me happy. But then you're not paying attention to the journey, and you're 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 Hebel now. Now you're into Hebel because if you if you uh, perpetuated it two more years. What difference did it make if you didn't enjoy the time along the way? Solomon would say, right. And and there are there are people who want their life to be prolonged as long as possible that view that I think in a healthy way. Sure. I want to I, I want to enjoy the process of this life as much as as much as I can. Sure. I want to spend as much time as I can with my family. Right. And and I think that there is is room for us to kind of live in this tension. I want to. Uh, Tim talked about this in one of the previous episodes. I. I want to be in this game, and I want to make an impact, mm-hmm. and I want to live this life as best I can. But when it's time to go, I'll be thrilled as well. Yeah, exactly. Go then, eat your bread in happiness, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart. For God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and let not oil be lacking in your head. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life, and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. So here the word Sheol is the Old Testament word for what happens when you die. And the context the context determines whether it's the grave and it's talking about like being buried, your body being buried, or whether it's the afterlife. And in this particular case, I think what we're talking about is the grave. <clears throat> that Because I think there will be, the, the rest of Scripture makes it clear that your spirit will go to a place where there's planning and knowledge and wisdom. We can see that, in, for example, in Revelation. Uh, and even when Jesus talks about the rich man and, and Lazarus, there's there's activity and there's deduction and and reasoning happening as they have a conversation there in in Shio. and so but 
you know, the, I think the, the point is once you're gone, you're not going to make any more impact on the earth. So enjoy what, the time is here. I mean, you, 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 can't, you can't do things later. You, know, you can only do things today. You can't enjoy tomorrow. So enjoy today. Yeah, he goes from the stark passage earlier, like, we're all going to die, to this, you know, literally the next word is, go then, therefore go and live. And, <laughs> it's and, a, and be happy. It's this strange, like, encouragement, <laughs> like, you know what, we're all going to die someday, so go and live well. And I think that's what, that's what the book of Ecclesiastes is, is about. Actually knowing and having a true perspective about the reality of death helps free us to live well. And, and he says, God's already approved your works. Like, and this goes back to what you were saying. God wants my best interest. Uh, it's our, our deeds are like refrigerator art. You know, you don't tell your kid, eh, that wasn't much of a drawing, you know. It's like, you tried. Let's put it on the refrigerator. You know, that's, that, that's we have a God that wants us to succeed. Just try. You know, just, just give me some effort. Even the wicked and lazy servant is like, couldn't you at least gone down and put it in the bank? I mean, I would have given you some credit for that. So there, there's a there's a real there's a real um, I mean it's it's a that's why he calls himself father. There's a there's a real opportunity there, but meanwhile, so be happy, you know, enjoy your food, enjoy your drink, um, let your clothes be white all the time. You enjoy what you wear. Um, now, don't 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 enjoy the next clothes you're going to have. Enjoy the one you have on. Uh, let not oil be lacking on your head. I mean, be, 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 have good fragrance. You know, be, be clean. Be, look good. Feel good. Enjoy yourself. You know, that's in the in the moment. Do those things uh, because it only lasts so long. This year, Kylie and I started a, a practice to sort of celebrate the journey of just life together. Mm-hmm. Our friends do this. They have this like mason jar. And throughout the year, whenever something really great or fun happens between the two of them, something meaningful, I should say, they just write it on a little post-it note, fold it up, and put it in a jar. And at the end of the year, they bring it out and they, you know, New read Year's them. Eve, yeah. Re- uh, yeah, New Year's Eve, they read kind of everything together. And cool. you know, most of the time, they don't even remember a lot of the things yeah. that are in the jar. They're just mm-hmm. these small little moments of right. of little things, these real beautiful things. So Kyle and I decided to do that this year, but we also decided to put another jar where we put kind of like what we hope is going to happen for the year, which was very interesting because as we were doing that, I was thinking like, there are just a couple, a few things I hope for. Like, I hope that we get pregnant. Like, I hope uh, that, um, you know, things go well with our work. And there, there were a few things that were in there. But there are not that many that I could really think of once I got going. And they, I knew even as we did it that at the end of the year, even if everything in that hope jar is filled, the other jar of our actual experience is going to be way more beautiful to us, I think. Just the little things that happen in a day, the little conversations that made us laugh until we cried, the conversations that we had about uh just God and Ecclesiastes and thing, things that came along that we couldn't have seen coming, that we couldn't have guessed or predicted or said that we wanted. They're even more magical than the outcomes we, we would have imagined. And I think that's what he's saying here. Go, steward your life well. Enjoy living with your spouse. Enjoy the things that are around you. Make the most of them. Smell the flowers. Appreciate the life that you've been given. 
Yeah, and this is your, your reward in life. So there's rewards in the next life. But if we live for that day, if we're paying attention, we should have a lot of rewards in this life too. Why? Because we're embracing reality as it is and we're enjoying the process. This is a great privilege we get to do to live life this way. And so that we should we should take joy in small things. So I try, I try to um, have little snippets in the day where I enjoy nature. I love our little martins mm-hmm. and uh, watch them, and you know, maybe, maybe just a few seconds, a minute or two, watch them fly. Um, maybe go by their house and watch them chirp a little bit. Um, maybe. In, in the in the evenings where we live here, we get these massive thundercloud builds up. Sometimes just in 30 minutes or something, it'll go from nothing to this multi-thousand feet incredible column, and then sometimes fill with lightning and stuff. It's 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 uh, it's really spectacular. It, it it rivals the Alps or something like that. It doesn't last for long, but it's like a different show every time. And and you can just you know stay inside and do something or whatever, but. And, and and that happens, but you know sometimes we just go out and 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 watch that happen. You know, there's all kinds of little things along the way if you kind of pay attention. And in spring, you know, you get the roses bloom and they're just really beautiful. You know, stop and pay attention. There's things happening that are rewards all the time, and it's easy to it's easy to not not enjoy them. Well, and I think the last bit here is just a great charge for us. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And that's kind of what Ecclesiastes is trying to get to eventually. It's not about the somber realities that of Hebel and, and some of the difficulties of life being inevitable. What he's saying is those are, the, those are the realities, and they're somber realities to some degree, but they're also beautiful realities. And so we spend so much try, time trying to like figure out how the world works and trying to like um, get out of these difficult realities, whereas Solomon is saying, if we'll just accept it for what it is, it frees us to, to, to step into the journey of life and experience the journey of life uh, with a real great sense of joy and fulfillment. Because where we're going in the realm of the dead, there's not planning. There's not this the opportunity. We get to do it now, and it's a limited time. So let's Take advantage of it and do it with all the gusto that that we can muster. And one one of the one of the things that drives human creativity and um, human human action is to realize limits. Um, so, one of the ways you can express what you just said is the reality of life is limits. And so, if you don't realize the limits. You're not going to get engaged. And when you do realize the limits, you realize, man, this isn't going to last long. Let's get busy and get intentional about enjoying every single moment and uh, making, making every moment count. And you can even do that. You can even do that with an African view of time. Absolutely. You, you can still make every moment count. You're just looking at it a different way. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowbloons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowbloons.net. Thanks for listening.